0: Welcome to Floaters Grab a Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Baker, and today we're going to be breaking down the third episode of Season 18 of Big Brother, and we're going to be doing it with my good friend, Zach.
1: Hi, happy to be here.
0: Okay, so let's jump into the show. So the first and most important thing that happened in this episode was that they revealed the new competition that's going to be replacing Battle of the Block, and it is called the Roadkill Competition. The way it's going to work is that everyone in the house is going to compete each week to try and win it. The winner will not be announced by Big Brother. No one in the house will know who won unless that the winner decides to tell people. And the winner will have the power to nominate one person for eviction. How do you feel about this twist?
1: I definitely like it as an improvement to Battle of the Block because I don't think anyone enjoyed that whatsoever. Um, but I do have a few concerns about it because of uh, how easy it is for a large alliance to steamroll and we sp- we spoke about that in the last episode but for those who weren't there last time you want to talk about that
0: yeah it's it's a problem where if the if like the counter alliance does win the HOH you know that's that's great that's kind of thing that's what's, that's part of what's great about big brother that it gives the counter alliance a, a real fighting chance but you know they could win that and then someone in the power alliance just goes and wins the uh roadkill puts up someone from the counter-alliance and then that HOH was all for naught. So I don't love that, but all in all I do think it's better than Battle of the Block. I think it could lead to some very interesting scenarios where if someone chooses not to say uh, that they won uh the roadkill competition just keeps it completely silent. It could create a lot of paranoia. It could maybe start fights that wouldn't have otherwise happened. So I think it has its upsides and its downsides, but I, like, I'm not ready to like really pass judgment on it. I think it could be good. I think it could be bad. We'll just have to see.
1: Yeah, I also don't see them uh, keeping the competition in the game much into uh, the jury phase of the game. I think much like Battle of the Block, they're going to phase it out uh, You know, once the house guests are more comfortable within the house and they're starting to play the game more organically.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. That does this doesn't seem like one of the twists that's gonna last for too terribly long. Uh, I do want to move into. I know that for this season of Big Brother, they got a new uh, director for competitions, or they're just bringing in more help for that. Uh, I don't know what's up with this guy. I don't know. I, I'm thinking that he's like an alcoholic or something. It's my best <laughs> guess, because what is going on with this roadkill competition, with they have an RV and they're saying that each week they're going to play this competition in the RV. This seems to me like the guy who's running the competitions just got really drunk and bought an RV once. He's just like, fuck, you know, I used the, I used the company, the CBS credit card for this. I wrote it off as a work expense. I got to somehow justify this as a big brother thing. So he's like, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll play the competitions in the RV. That's a that's a good idea. And then just make it worse, once he gets in there, the idea for the competition is like, "All right, everybody go take your clothes off." It's just it, it's a weird direction to go with the roadkill competition, I feel like.
1: I think it makes sense to have everything take place within a closed space just like the RV. Because the whole idea is that you're not supposed to know how other people did in the competition, and that's kind of hard whenever you have the comp out like the backyard.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, It does definitely provide more uh, secrecy and privacy that they normally get. Now as for for the
1: specific competition of them taking their clothes off while driving, uh, that is a little suspicious, but I mean, they've done worse, so we're going to roll with it.
0: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) They justified it as, oh, yeah, no, they're, they're just, don't worry, they're stripping down to their swimsuits, you know, because that's totally different than them stripping down to their underwear. Hey, it's Completely America, different things, different types of fabric. <laughs> uh, but I, I alluded to what, we've been alluding to what the competition was, but I'll explain it in more detail. Uh, basically, they had to sit at what is basically the driver's seat of this RV, and there's three buttons that they have to hold down, and they have to, take off their clothes while holding down these three buttons, and if at any point one of the buttons isn't pressed, then a timer that's going starts going even faster. Uh, So basically the idea is to try and uh, get undressed and then go hit another buzzer in the least amount of time as possible. So, you know, you want to keep your hands on the button so that doesn't keep it going longer. And eventually, we did get a winner, and I felt like it was... It was weird in that there's so many people that are competing, and it's an individual style comp like you would maybe see for veto normally. That we didn't get to see everyone compete, we just saw like a montage of the people playing, which I don't like. I don't know if I like that. I don't. I'd rather see them like each person actually get to like compete by themselves. But that's just not going to be possible when you have 15 people,
1: yeah, all, a like, doing like, a
0: five minute comp. Uh, that it's just not possible, but eventually we did see Frank come out on top as the winner. And Frank's idea for what he's gonna do is that he does come out to his alliance about winning uh, the roadkill, but he doesn't tell anyone else in the house about it. You know, I'm and I'm a little I'm iffy on if this was the right move or not. I think it's good. It's good in a sense that he told his alliance because you know it's gonna inspire confidence. They're like, oh, you know, Frank, he's going to win competitions for us. We feel good about him. He's going to be honest. He's not hiding things. But if I was Frank, I would be worried that about portraying myself as this big physical competitor because that's a big part of why he went out early last season. And I'm not sure if let if he has the option to win a competition and not let anyone know. I'm not sure if maybe that's like the route he should go and just keep it a secret.
1: Well, I think... Um whenever whenever I'm looking at this alliance, I really do feel like they're more cohesive as a group than uh, previous alliances in Big Brother. And so I don't see them quick to turn on Frank just because he's winning uh, the first comp of this week. I really see it more as like, he's an asset to them because now they can continue on with their plan, which is taking out the rest of the other side of the house because they're not... They're more concerned with getting the people out that are actually saying hurtful things and are targeting them and are opposing everything they do rather than, oh, well, this person's at an alliance, but they're a threat later down the road. At least that's the state of the game at the moment. It is week one. Yeah. Go on. It is week one. So, I mean.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's hard to say because... Like, I I think for the time being, there's no way that 8-Pack is going to turn on Frank. He's way too much of an asset for them. But I do worry about Frank once it gets down to, like, that final 9, final 10, maybe even final 8. And you're seeing most of 8-Pack there. Because that's when it starts getting to the point where I don't know if they're going to feel comfortable taking Frank to the end. Oh, Uh, definitely. definitely. So, we'll see. I... It's hard to say. I don't think there was a perfect way for him to play this, and I think the the other options deserved consideration. But I think he probably did the right thing here. I mean, it's just one competition. It's not a huge deal, and just you know, let your alliance know that you're trustworthy, and you don't want that paranoia going. If you're like, if you're Frank, yeah, if you're Frank and you're in that eight pack, you want like, you want a consistent narrative going on. You don't want to be confused about, oh, who won this competition and let this paranoia build because the more paranoia you get, the more likely that alliance is to fall apart and he doesn't want that. So I do want to move on to what Frank did with the roadkill competition win is that he used it to nominate Paul. Personally, I mean, there weren't many options for like, who he could put up, but I think Paul was probably the right one. Would you say so?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think it makes sense because he was one. He was eligible to be put up, unlike uh, Victor, and he is a very obvious player. You know, he know like everyone in the house knows who he's aligned with, who he's gunning for. He doesn't ever keep his mouth shut. <laughs> and um, also, another thing to consider is that even if they're not targeting him. Putting him up on the block means that there is one fewer vote for the other side of the house, and so even if they're playing it like that, it would ensure that Jose, their you know main target, goes home this week.
0: All right, and this is a smaller point, but I noticed that right after Paul was put up, and this is kind of just to say, you know, may, who's going to be the better players down the line? Maybe just a small hint at that. I did notice that they specifically showed the reactions of Michelle and Zakia to Paul being put up on the block. And when they did that, they go to Michelle and she's just got this, like she's got this grin on her face. She's very clearly happy that, uh, Paul went up and then it shows Zakia and Zakia's is just like, Oh, what the fuck? And she's just acting really pissed off about it. When clearly like we know, uh, now that she is in a different alliance, uh, like, she is an alliance opposing Paul. So I just... I really liked that Zakia was in, like, the frame of mind to... Even though something good happened, her immediate reaction was to think about what she needed to do for the game and realize that it would be better for her to act angry oh, and to let herself smile. Almost definitely. So that's all there was for the roadkill competition. We did see an interesting point. <clears throat> Back in the first episode, we saw that it was uh, was a category, yeah, category four came in third place in that opening competition for the show, and because of that, they got the Mystery Land punishment, and that was revealed today as being the pixel suits, and, like, I I don't know, like, it's, it's a very small deal, these little punishments, they don't really mean anything for the game, but I can't I almost feel like these are a little bit lazy like I like the ones that are more fun like you know like a frog uh, outfit or a carrot outfit in the way of Frank other than like we were having them wear like just their underwear and then we just like taped some cardboard onto it with squares like uh, do you see that or like are do you like this a little bit more
1: well um their undergarments were nude colored and so it actually did look like they were naked and so I feel like it's a little bit more involved than um, how you're describing it, but I know that that's just hyperbolic. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of the more over the top uh, outfits. You know, big fan of Frank's carrot or Nicole's uh, German outfit. And you know, the the game's still early. I think that we'll see some other punishments later down the road that we we'll got a kick out of. But this one just, I guess, came up short.
0: Alright, so moving into Alliance uh, news, I mentioned this, I got a little bit ahead of myself and I mentioned this Alliance earlier in the show, but we did see the creation of 8-Pack in this episode. 8-Pack being the four veterans, Tiffany, Corey, Michelle, and Zakia. And I, I, do, I really do like this Alliance. It's, you know, it's a little bomb squad but I feel like there's way more continuity in this alliance than there ever was in the bomb squad. I mean, you don't have, you don't have a Devin in there. You don't have people like Christine or Amber. They were kind of just thrown in at the last second. Like, I feel like this is probably an alliance that as big as it is could, like, you know, could last to jury. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. And also, why do you think like it was, I was, I thought that Polly was very heavily working with the veterans but he isn't in their main alliance. Like, what do you think? Like, do you know anything about why that happened or why that was?
1: I can't say as to why they wouldn't include Polly in the alliance because I definitely think that he is earning his stripes because he's working really well with the, the bets and he's working really well with the newbies and he agreed to go up as a pawn this week. You know, he's doing everything that a good alliance member should. And so it's really strange that um, Polly's not considered part of the 8E, but uh, people like Corey are. And so the only way I'm trying to rationalize it is that Polly is like the outsider that the vets may be trying to use as their plan B should the APEC ever crumble because he's not privy to everything that they say. He's not really you know a member of the alliance. And so should they ever have to flip or turn on each other, he is kind of like the reset button. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. And also so, another point that it might just be a very simple answer of, Maybe Pauly just wasn't just wasn't there when they were deciding to do that, and they didn't feel like going and getting him. Because, I mean, I guess it, it would be if I was already in a room making an eight-person alliance, my first reaction wouldn't be, oh, hey, wait, let's grab this ninth person <laughs> to make it even bigger. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he might have just gotten unlucky and just wasn't in there. We'll see if that ends up affecting his game terribly. I feel like it won't, because while he's not in there by name... Like, he's still. I still think he's going to be working with the veterans. Like, just as much as anyone else in that group. Mm -hmm,
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Then we did see a second alliance born this episode, and it was the Spy Girls. We had flirty spy, Natalie. We had the bizarrely named wifey spy, Bronte. And then we had spunky spy, Bridget. Now. You know, on the scale of alliances, where do you, you know from? Like, I'm thinking this is somewhere in between. You know, like Chill Town and uh, you know the Hitmen, the Renegades. It's going to be up in that that tier of uh, that that tier of alliances, right?
1: <laughs> Go on.
0: <laughs> you know, you got you got your mastermind, strategist, and um. Bronte I guess (laughs) You have You have the physical threat Natalie I think Natalie's Their comp beast Then you know You always You always need the social player That's gonna go And get the people You know Maybe like They're Enzo So you have You have Bridget for that You know They're they're basically like The Brigade 2.0 Just If all the players Were really shit (laughs) If, I mean, that's not fair. I'm not. I'm not sure if these are all terrible players. They're just not very intimidating players. They're kind of just more of the people that are kind of there, just
1: being cute. If if I had an alliance that I could probably uh, compare them to, I think the closest one that I can think of would be the After Dark crew from last season. Oh, okay. Where, where it's not that they're like unlikable people. It's just they don't really play the game. They just kind of sit around and talk shit, and they never win comps, and they. They're just like not, they're not really uh invested in the house because they don't know how to read people and they don't know like who's with who, but it's they're not terrible people, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I also like the comparison to the uh, the three Stooges from season four, <laughs> yeah. in that in season four this three person alliance made it to the final seven, not because they maneuvered themselves there but because they were so incredibly unthreatening that people just allowed this three-person alliance to make it to the final seven. I mean, they were almost the majority of the house, and people still just weren't threatened by them at all. I feel like we're probably going to get a similar scenario here, where maybe they don't make it as far as the Three Stooges did, but it's going to be similarly unthreatening. I don't see anyone being really just being like, ooh, man, we got to get them out, like, They're such a scary, powerful alliance.
1: Well, it's actually funny that you should say that, but we can talk about that once we get to the feed section.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing was, you know, they're calling themselves the Spies, which is, you know, that implies that they're going to be sneaky and stealthy, you know, try and do everything they, all their talks in the shadows and secret. So far, literally every single game talk they've showed us, there's been another person listening to them like 10 to 15 feet away. Like they haven't had a single private conversation. Like when they're first bringing it up, uh, Bridget and Natalie, they're fucking doing it in the bedroom with like three other people just sitting a few feet away from them. And they'll just like, ah, we'll whisper. They can't hear us. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's those two and Bronte in the backyard, like, they're only—they're barely whispering. I guess you could say that, uh, but they're just openly talking about the alliance. They're coming up with names. they come up with—that's where they come, came up with all like the flirty spy, wifey spy, spunky spy stuff. And Tiffany's just on. The, <laughs> she's just on the hammock, just listening to this. You just got that great clip of her in the dr. It's just like, why are you doing this in front of me?
1: No, I absolutely it. Like, shouldn't lost you make
0: it. your secret alliance like? In private, like, I don't. What?
1: Uh. Props to the Big Brother editors for that wonderful pan.
0: Absolutely, to that Tiffany. was a great camera work. <laughs> and we do uh, another thing that happened was Jose is just further burying himself as just as an awful, awful player. Uh, I picked out a few moments. Uh, from this episode that really shows how terrible he's been playing. There was the deal after he was nominated where Dave Vaughan came up to him and he was like, Oh, she wouldn't tell me anything. I had no idea that you were going to be put up. I'm so sorry. And Jose just bought it. Just totally bought it. And I I can't fathom what he's thinking and thinking that Dave Vaughan isn't going to try and work with the veterans you have jose confronting nicole and just i don't i don't even know what he was trying to tell nicole there he just like you know i wouldn't put someone up just because they were strong you know i would you know and i would go and i would tell them i would tell everyone what i'm going to do and i would never ask to be not put up on the block i'd never ask not to be voted out And just basically saying that he would never do anything that would be considered a good game move. (laughs) And then we have Jose, that clip in the diary room of Jose being like, I find Frank suspicious because I don't know what his strategy is. Like that's, it's so like rooted in uh, Jose's head. That the way you play the game is that you just run around and tell everyone exactly what you plan on doing whenever you think of something. That he's incredibly like freaked out and suspicious about a guy who's just choosing not to tell him his plans. I just... What is is wrong with Jose? How does he think... Like, Jose right now honestly believes he's a good player. How is this possible?
1: I think he is confused what show he's on. Because I know, I, mean, I know that he mentioned that he applied for lots of different shows, and I think he just picked the first one that said they gave him the green light, and he didn't know any of the rules, didn't know any of the structure of the story. He's just delusional. utterly delusional.
0: That's the only explanation. No one that knows Big Brother would do any of the things that he's doing. Like, even Devin wasn't as insane as Jose. Oh, man, I miss Devin. <laughs> yeah i definitely miss Devin. Devin was different i would say Devin was insane in a more entertaining way than yeah jose
1: he made for great tv
0: jose's probably crazier but it's just not really fun you just kind of feel bad while watching it well also just, um
1: jose does not have a daughter so that really oh good point that lowers point. the stakes
0: you know you don't have that emotional appeal Mm-hmm. That you know, I feel like Devon did a great job of that. Uh, everyone was very much wanting to bring him further in the game because of his daughter. Because no one else had family that they were interested in providing for. Well that's how Derek wanted. So they were just gonna provide for his family. I that's actually fair that Derek kinda did pull the exact same shit. But it doesn't matter. Uh we did see I, I'm actually I'm liking the arc from Davon so far. Yes, agreed. Because she is shown dramatic improvement from each episode you know like episode one i was just like oh she's a train wreck she i regret ranking her so highly i just have to admit that she's a terrible player and then she comes into the second episode and she's able to calm down a lot more does a couple of smart things you know uh, makes her moves with tiffany and now she's doing a really really good job in this third episode you know when She's talking in the diary room about how, uh, you know, the vets were outnumbered. We're in a lot of hot water. We need to get more people. Uh, We need to get more people on our side. She was able to go out there and pull three people into that alliance. She was able to get uh, Tiffany. She was able to get Michelle. And to be fair, getting Michelle wasn't exactly the most difficult job in the world. She kind of just agreed to join. But she was also able to get Zakia. Like I mean, you see people like... We bring up Enzo as being a really good player, but when the Brigade asked him to bring in one side person for the Alliance, he wasn't able to do it. And just on a whim, Davon went and got three people to add to the Alliance. So like, I'm impressed with the game that she's playing so far.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that Davon has improved tremendously from 17. I think she knows exactly what she did wrong last time, and she's had very few, if any... Slip-ups in that strategy since uh, after the first episode. Like, I think um, doing all those competitions with Paul was really testing her. But she's very, very lax on the emotions in the game at the moment.
0: And I'm really loving it. It's making for great TV. And another important note is that even in episode one, she was very much getting frustrated in the diary room. But for the most part, in the actual house, she was being cool. Mm -hmm, yeah and you know that's the way to do it like you know everyone's going to have emotions you can get as frustrated as you want in the diary room but if you're able to keep your cool in the house then that's the mark of a really good player so you know i'm liking what i'm seeing from dave Vaughn. i'm definitely excited to see what she can do farther in the game because she is one of the people that i have pegged as like there's not a lot of people that i would say are like cutthroat players this season Davon is one of the few that I could see just being totally cutthroat, so I'll be interested to see if she's able, if she's able to keep that going.
1: Well, she also has a daughter, so she knows the stakes.
0: Uh, and also, one thing that I like, just another thing to be impressed with Zakiya about, I, and I'm loving Zakiya. I think Zakiya's playing a great game. Is that, you know, while Paul and uh, Jose are really just kind of going down with the ship with that alliance. And thinking that they're the bee's knees and they can do whatever they want. Zakia was the only one of them that realized that, I mean, that was just a garbage alliance. And she just got out of it as quick as she could. Like I was saying uh, a couple episodes ago, there's just like, yeah, I really don't like that she's in that alliance. And I'm hoping that she just realizes that's not where she needs to be and she ditches them. And she did exactly that. And she managed to jump from them into an even better situation in a big alliance, covered on all sides. It Do makes you see
1: it? yeah, it makes sense because you know Zakiya has been a fan of the show since like the third season, so she's seen plenty of people get into the wrong alliance and fail, and so she knows how we you know what kind of people make it far in the game, including the returnees. She's seen their games, she knows what kind of players they are. And so that's even easier for her than just looking at uh, speculating what kind of people, newbies would be.
0: So would you, because both, I, I know Michelle specifically made that point, and I'm sh- assuming Davon is, I'm not Davon, uh, Zakia is working with that idea in mind as well, that they're looking to take the veterans with them in the game and align with them because they know what types of players they are. Like, I get that, but I also... Like, I would be very nervous about taking veterans far in the game just because you know that they're going to be good players. You know that they've had time to reflect on their games and improve upon it. So are they making the right decision there and taking these veterans farther? Or would they be better served to maybe be trying to work against them?
1: Uh, I say for week one, it's the correct move. Once we get to the jury phase... I might change my opinion, but right now I do think it is the safest bet. All
0: right. Well, that's going to bring the uh, segment on the TV show to an end. That's all we have to talk about. So if you don't want to hear any live feed spoilers, then I'm going to have to ask you to leave now, you know, uh, follow, subscribe on the podcatcher you use to find this and thank you for watching uh tune in again on thursday but for the people that are going to stay for the live feeds let's get into that the first and most important thing that we saw comp wise is that they played the power of veto and paul ended up winning it and uh paul ended up winning it taking himself off and the replacement nominee was Bridget. Do you think that was the right move by Frank to nominate Bridget as the replacement? Uh,
1: Yes, I do, because I don't think that anyone is going to vote out Bridget because she's not a threat at all. She's not a threat to the Apex, She's not a threat to uh, the other side of the house. She hasn't done anything to anger anyone except for maybe Michelle's eyebrows. And um, I think it's just a really safe bet, especially when they're continuing to target Jose.
0: And just another thing to add to the growing list of dumb thoughts by Jose is that I was hearing about how he's talking and he's saying that he thinks the reason that Paul used the veto on himself and not use and didn't use the veto on Jose Jose thinks that because Paul is trying to pretend that they're not that close you know, pretend that they're not really working together so that they can surprise people down the road. How, I don't understand how Jose can't understand. He just used the veto on himself because he didn't want to be on the block. <laughs> it's like they didn't even occur to him. I just, it's just so bizarre. I would love to be in Jose's head because it's it's not like he's the only player that's come into this game and didn't know how to play Big Brother. But I feel like the rest of them were able to grasp the basic concepts, like if you win the power to save yourself, use it to save yourself, because you want to be saved. And it's looking like Jose can't understand that. I just Jose. I don't want to. I don't want to waste too much more time talking about Jose. So we're gonna move on uh, here to another. A very interesting thing that we saw happening was that tiffany was informed that uh the rest of the house was looking to her and was wanting well the rest of the house that wasn't in her alliance she was the target and they wanted to get her and you know tiffany is kind of very emotional about this kind of freaking out and that really put her in a bad position like that there's a lot of distrust with the alliance right now like People, I know uh, Devon was specifically saying, like, oh, I guess that means we know we can't go to her with information now. There was a conversation earlier today with Nicole and Devon up in the HOH room, and Nicole is just sitting there, like, paranoid, worried, like, oh, man, I hope that, uh, that I, I hope that, man, what is her name? Tiffany. <laughs> I hope that Tiffany... Isn't going and spilling the beans on the Fatal Five Alliance to Frank and James right now. And it's like, that incident really just put a lot of distrust there. Like, what do you think Tiffany needs to do to, like, kind of right the ship? Mm, well, I
1: don't know. She's not in a very good position. I mean, already coming into the house as Vanessa's sister and uh, having all the same problems that she had in terms of social game. You know, I really don't know. I mean, I would say she should surround herself with really good players, but then the really good players know what kind of player that she could be, and she's not doing herself any favors if she goes with anyone weaker than her because she doesn't really have people that have the undying loyalty of Austin and the Twins at her disposal. Um, I really don't know. I I wish I, wish I could give you something better. I yeah, know, I, I think the,
0: yeah, I think the main thing that Tiffany has going for her right now... Is this, it's week one.
1: Yeah, like, exactly. I know
0: she's in a bad position right now, but I feel like as long as she she's just nice to her alliance, you know, she manages her emotions from here. When we're like in the jury stage of the game, no one's going to be remembering back to week one. It's like, oh, remember that time we were four days into the game and Tiffany kind of had an emotional breakdown? Like, I don't think that's going to be an issue later in the game. So... As long as, as long as Tiffany can just keep going good from now on, I don't think she's going to be in too much hot water.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: But she's just going to have to... It's looking like this is just a Rousseau family trait, that they're very emotional people.
1: Well, like Davon said, it's hereditary.
0: Absolutely. We're just going to have to hope that Tiffany is able to put that beside, uh, beside her and you know continue on without those emotions. Uh, another interesting thing that I'm seeing is more and more, I think Nicole and Corey are getting closer. Do you think there's any possibility that we see in Nicole-Corey showman's? Because I was saying no just in the last episode, and I'm just straying farther and farther towards yes now.
1: Mm, between those two, no. And I think from Nicole's side... It doesn't make sense because she's still upset about Hayden, or, you know, to the point where she wouldn't want to be with anyone else. Um, I think she's really focused on the game. She's not going to get into another showmance like she did last time because she knows that that's what killed her. Um, I mean, the Fatal Five, they did talk about how their strategy was that they were going to play guys by flirting with them, and so that could just be a strategy. Um, She—I just If what she's saying is true, I just don't think that it's even possible that she'd be in a showmance with anyone. And then with Corey, I mean <laughs> we could talk all day about how totally straight Corey is.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think Corey is probably straight and is just he, he's just in a weird place in the house and with his background. and I don't want to get into that too much. but I, I can definitely see why you'd be a little bit questionable if uh, Corey wants to get into that. And on the Cole side, I would agree. I think that she doesn't want to get into a showmance. I think she knows that she shouldn't get into a showmance, but I really do think she has a crush uh, a crush on Corey, and I think that's becoming more and more evident as time goes on. I think the biggest examples of this were uh, number one. It was I think it was her, Polly, and uh, Devon were talking, and uh, Nicole because they had gotten alcohol the last night. And Nicole had made a comment about, like, oh, guys, don't let me drink ever again, okay? And Polly just jokingly says, "He's like, yeah, I know, you got really drunk last night. You told us about your crush on uh, Corey. And she was like, oh, I told you about that! <laughs> and it was just like, uh, oh, you did just now. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was funny. She kind of revealed that there.
1: That was some classic switcheroo right there.
0: I really I I I like the way Davon played that a little bit later, just kinda of teasing Nicole about it. Where Nicole was talking about like, Oh, you know, like I find him handsome but you know, I find lots of guys handsome. That doesn't mean anything. And Davon was just like, Yeah, no, that's that's totally fine that you find him handsome Nicole's just like, and I, f- and I think he's a really sweet guy and all, but, you know, there's lots of sweet guys in the house. I mean, James is a sweet guy. <laughs> and Devon's just like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine that you think he's a sweet guy. And, you know, it's also fine that you want to kiss him. <laughs> you want to hug him. And just Nicole was just blushing and so embarrassed about that. So we'll see. I think if Nicole's playing this smart, she's probably not going to in a showmance. It's, it's just not where she needs to be in the game. But I'm just, I'm worried about her. I, she hasn't proven to me yet that she can put her m- emotions aside and make the correct game decision every time. And I'm really thinking she has a crush on Corey here. So we'll see what she does down the line, but I'm, I'm worried about her.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then another, it's, it, it has been one of the running things that's been going on this week is that Jose in that whole side of the house with, you know, him, Paul, Victor and then the spy girls. They are so thoroughly convinced that Paulie is going home and that Jose is going to stay. You know, they're staying up in the hot tub talking about what they're going to do when they win the HOH next week. They're talking about how, you know, we have the 6 of us going forward. They're talking about how they're, the veterans are going to be so mad and surprised when Polly goes home and every time they count the numbers, it just gets more and more bizarre where it's just like the, the, they always count like, Oh, we definitely have Dayvon's vote, which I, I sort of get, I sort of get cause they're in big sister, but then they're also like, Oh yeah. And we definitely got Frank's vote too. And you know, James, he's probably going to vote with us too in anyways. And I'm just like why do they think all the veterans are going to turn against them? They're also being, "Oh yeah, Michelle's going to vote with us. Zakia's going to vote for us." It's just somehow they've deluded themselves into thinking that the entire house is going to vote with them. And I'm loving that the eight pack is doing their best to keep it a secret from uh to from the revolution mm-hmm. that it's actually going to be Jose that's going and I'm really, really looking forward to that Thursday night episode where we get to see Jose evicted and just the looks of shock on everyone's faces. Like, well, is there any explanation? Like, are, are you understanding where they're coming from and thinking they have the votes here? Well,
1: Jose did mention that he said that Devon and Zakia would both vote to save him because they are minorities and that they understand his struggle.
0: Mm. (laughs) i i don't even okay okay jose no way jose um
1: (laughs) he's also not even uh packing
0: oh he's not oh this is gonna be i want this to be an like an austin situation from Mm. last year but week one (laughs) just the week one eviction which is like it's not going to be unanimous, unanimous. but I would love it if it ended up being unanimous. He just has to walk out of the house without shoes on. It's just like, man, I really thought I had those votes.
1: It's funny because Paul's like, you should really pack your stuff. And he's
0: like, "Nah, man, we got the votes. I'm not even going to worry about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what we have on the whole Jose being evicted situation. That's just a mess. I don't know why they think the way they do and it's really looking like this is just going to be another Season 13 scenario where the veterans just wipe out the newbies. Uh, do you agree?
1: I don't think that they're going to wipe out all of them, but I definitely think that uh, Jose, Victor, Paul, and Bronte are going to be the, the most unsafe four and for the rest of this game. Um, I know that members of the APAC have talked about that once a lot of those people are gone, that they'd be really open to working with Natalie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Bridget isn't much of a threat for them to want her to take her out before those four at all. And so, and you know, the climate of the house can change. And also, you brought up...
0: You brought up that Paul was, you know, one of those people that's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Paul manages to make it farther in this game. Like, he's not in a terrible spot. I just, like, it does seem so like everyone likes Paul.
1: Because he's so annoying. He just, he always has to yell and whenever he has one beer, he acts like he's wasted. and He's just not the kind of person you want to spend three months in the house with.
0: And that's fair, but I don't, I feel like they're not very threatened by Paul. Because Paul is, like, for one, Paul's just nicer than Jose and isn't insane like Jose. So they can, they feel like they can work with him a little bit more on that front. Mm -hmm. And him compared to, like, a victor, in that, like, a victor, and even a Bronte, even. You know, they both have that aggressive streak. But they also, like, they really, like, keep their opinions and their plans to themselves. Where Paul, like, he might be aggressive, but if they just ask him what, he, what his plan is, he just tells them. Well, and he's also, well, like, he. Too.
1: Yeah,
0: that's fair. And, like, Jose can, I'm mean, not Jose, uh, Paul can be reasoned with. Like, they, like, they'll bring up these ideas, like, well, maybe you should do this instead. And if they say that to Jose or Victor, then they're just not even going to, they're not even going to pay attention. But Paul seems like the one person that will actually listen and, like, think about the game. So I feel like if he can just maybe tone down his personality a little bit, I don't hate his position in the game right now.
1: That's fair. I understand.
0: Like, I feel like it's not good, but we've seen players get out of worse positions. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not Dan Giesling, but we did see, I mean, Dan Giesling's right-hand man was Brian in Season 10. and uh, Dan managed to get out of that. So we'll see. Maybe Paul can uh, finish... our work something out here but i am gonna have to end the episode here that's all i got to talk about so everybody thank you for listening to floaters grab a mm-hmm. podcast make sure to subscribe or follow on whatever podcatcher you use to find this make sure to tune in again on thursday and bye